Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Jessica Lee Perez, a tax accountant who runs her own business in San Antonio. She proudly serves on an LGBTQ Chamber of Commerce in her hometown and gives both the Latino and LGBT community the best financial advice available. Today we'll discuss tax season, how to avoid the pitfalls when filing taxes, and some reminders for those who receive pandemic assistance. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. We're in the middle of tax season, and for many American households, filing for 2020 will be complicated. Job loss, pandemic aid, and unemployment are just some of the issues that will drive you to procrastinate this year. But don't. It's going to be all right. To help us navigate this tax season, I've invited tax professional and business owner Jessica Lee Perez to the show. Imagine being able to work for a Fortune 500 company, learning all the corporate secrets on how to save and build wealth, and then taking that information and making it available to the little guy. That's who Jessica is. She cares about her community. She had a great start in Washington, D.C. and the corporate world, but she put family first and moved back to South Texas. And today, she's here to help you with some free advice. I want to welcome to the show a very good friend of mine, Jessica Lee Perez from San Antonio, who I got to meet here in Washington, D.C. when I first arrived in 2011. She was uh, helping one of the local organizations that I got involved with, the Latino GLBT History Project. And before she left uh, DC to go back to San Antonio, we're able to connect. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you, Jesse. It's an honor to be here. A big hola from the beautiful city of San Antonio, Texas. A beautiful city that I got to live in for 10 years. That's currently cold. I hope you're doing well. Did you lose any light or water during this whole fiasco of winter that's going on you're not going to believe this we had six inches of snow and uh it was full of challenges because we're used to 100 degree weather in the summer and and not snow so it was a big adjustment for the people in the community uh fortunately my family and i the extent to the damage we got was a busted pipe so uh my handyman came to help me right away so that we would continue to have running water but man, was it cold. Uh, we got down to eight degrees wow. in San Antonio. And, you know, when we had a little, one little space heater and our, had our, our HVAC on the best that we could, but it was a big adjustment. And the challenge was the seeing the people, you know, the soci- socioeconomic situation in San Antonio yeah. is very, very different and it, it stares you in the face. And unfortunately, some people did not have the basic supplies or necessities or even small heaters to weather the storm. So there is a a cute meme floating around that talked about people in pajamas and hoodies. That's pretty much the winter gear here in San Antonio. Yeah, (laughs) my family in South Texas did uh, experience the same thing, pipes that burst that they were able to fix really quick. A lot of these houses in Texas weren't meant for weather like this. So it's just like, it it was such a shock to the system and and people are learning more about how the public utilities, the electricity in Texas is run, 
and hopefully those issues will be addressed soon and um smart people will get in charge of will be elected and be able to make these big old corporations accountable for the next time that this happens you're exactly uh, right jesse there's uh, no one really knew what was happening to the grid i mean you just assume that when you turn the switch on that you're going to have light and unfortunately for millions of texans that was not the case so what a huge wake-up call yeah so i mean we're talking about winter right now but in a couple of months actually weeks we're going to talk we're going to be talking about tax day which is the reason why we have you here today uh i was searching i wanted to talk to a tax professional and um that i could bring on the show that would help me answer some common questions because a lot of us have gone through so much change because of the pandemic several of us have lost jobs several of us have applied for and received federal aid and state aid and it's sort of like what is taxable what is not you know how how has thing how have things changed where i'm gonna have to prepare to either pay more or pay less so i thought well let me reach out to my social circle or friends on facebook and i just remembered that you are a leader in the san antonio community not only do you have your own tax association you know business but you're also a member of the san antonio lgbtq chamber are you're like one of the board members correct yes sir uh, i have the pleasure and honor of serving as a treasurer of the san antonio lgbt chamber that's so, amazing uh, a wonderful opportunity. It's my honor really to not only be visible to people in community, but to be able to provide that quality oversight to the organization to make sure that we have uh, a longstanding, helpful and business growth uh, attitude and strategic plan for the city of San Antonio, for our people in our community and our allies. Amazing. So before we get into all the tax questions that I sent you, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've been so blessed, Jesse, you know, throughout my career and my life, you know, people ask me, tell me about you. And, and there's, I'm so blessed to have such a wonderful story. Uh, I was born and raised in South Texas in a very small town called Falfurias, Texas. And you might know us because uh, back in the day, we actually made butter that was distributed all over the world called Falfurias butter. Wow. I'm from a community uh, at the time when I was growing up, I was born and raised there. Uh, there is 6,000 people. So what that equates to is that I knew everybody in my graduating class yes. and everybody knew my mom, my dad, and my sisters, and everyone knew what we were doing and what we were up to. So it was a very <laughs> safe, safe, small community. I grew up in a place where I could ride my bike up and down the street until the sun went down. I remember and those days. <laughs> with my mom waiting for me on the porch. So I feel so fortunate. I get chills thinking about what a wonderful opportunity coming from a small town, uh, even though there was not much to do, you know, in terms of entertainment, but boy, there was always work. There was always friends. There was always uh, books and homework and ways to, to help and give back to my community uh, as a Girl Scout, which was really important to my mom. So that's how I, I, I grew up. I'm a, a first generation college student. One of the first things that I remember as a little girl was my mom who did not have the opportunity to attend college and my dad either. In fact, they were farm workers 
that used to um, pick cotton out in the fields. And my mom said, Mijita, I need you to go to school because that way you'll always have a good job and you'll be always be able to take care of yourself. So I promised my mom when I was a little girl that I would you know, fulfill her dream and go to college. So I was blessed to be able to get a scholarship at my local university, A&M in Kingsville, and I was able to complete my bachelor's and master's degree in accounting. Amazing. Uh, you ended up in Washington, D.C. for a wonderful opportunity. Tell us about that. I did. I was so blessed. You know, one of the things that I have always had uh, a the uh, drive to find opportunities. And I don't know if it was just my naivety or I was never afraid to ask questions. And, you know, when you're from a small town, your parents haven't gone to school, uh, you don't know much about anything beyond, you know, small town life in high school. And at the university, I would hear my friends talking about, oh, what are you doing for this summer? Or where are you going to go intern this summer? And I would, you know, my response was, well, I'm going to go home and work at my local Dairy Queen because, you know, that was my That job. was what we do. Yeah. You know, I went home and I worked at Stars also, which was a, a small drive-in. It was like Sonic. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what I, I was, you know, that's what I did in the summer. And I heard my friends talk about internship and I said, what's that? And they explained how you would work for companies that would hire students uh, to get job experience. So I went over to, there is a um, office on, on campus called the Career Service Center. And this was back in the day when it, there was actually paper and not everything was electronic, but there was this huge uh, bulletin board. And I'll never forget, this is the decision that changed my life forever. But I was reviewing, you know, I one day went to the community, the Career Service Center, saw this big bulletin board and everything was for juniors and seniors. Oh. So I was a little frustrated. I said, well, I'm a freshman. What am I supposed to do? So on this bulletin board, there was 10 or 20 pages thumbtacked together. So I was skimming through this pile of papers, thumbtacked to the bulletin board. And wouldn't you know, the last page was called Haku and it said Hispanic. I said, hey, that's me. That's you. <laughs> And then it said, you know, freshmen and sophomores welcome to apply. And I said, hey, that's me. So <laughs> I got a copy of this flyer and I was, you know, pretty active in community. I have to give a shout out to my dear friend, Carlos Soto, who's also an activist here in San Antonio, who really helped bring me out of my shell during my early years in college. But I was able to get some letters of recommendation and school was always a priority, so my grades were good, and I applied for this internship, so I was very optimistic and very excited, and just, you know, my attitude towards life in the world is just very optimistic, and looking back, that was pretty naive of me because I was competing against students from top-tier colleges, Harvard, Yale. These internships in D.C. are very competitive, but I didn't know that at the time, <laughs> but I applied anyway. So found something special in you. Exactly. The small town girl applied for this internship and I got rejected the first time. So I went home that summer. I worked at the, uh, my drive-in stars 
and I got a letter in the mail. I actually got an invitation to participate in the pilot program for the fall semester. Oh. So they actually awarded me an internship based on my application. So I went to DC and I was an intern at the Environmental Protection Agency um, for that fall semester. Um, I was able to network, do good work and actually get awarded a second internship to Department of Labor for the spring semester. So I literally spent um, the fall and spring semester in DC when I was uh, 19 and I actually turned 20 in our nation's capital, uh, serving and learning to serve in the federal government through HAKU. So a big shout out to HAKU, which is a Hispanic Association of Colleges and Universities. They changed my life forever and I am forever grateful. How did you end up after years of school at your college, how did you end up following your passion to become a tax professional? How did you choose that route? In all honesty, Jesse, you know, throughout my career, my mom has had a big influence on my career decisions and putting me in the right place. When I was a young girl, when I was an infant, really, my mom and I would, uh, she would ask me to play a game. And the game was the um, cards, uh, mathematical cards. Okay. So that was our game was to, you know, play with these math cards, the flash cards. And I learned my, my addition, my numbers, my, so numbers have always been a game for me. They've always been fun for me. So to bring it full circle, as I was, you know, finishing up at the university and, you know, kind of chatting with mom about what, what she thought. And she mentioned, she's like, you've always been great with numbers and you enjoy working with numbers. Why don't you become an accountant and see where that takes you? And I said, okay, that sounds good. Let me do that. So in the accounting industry, there's a certain path um, of good accountants, if you will. So I feel very fortunate to be able to have um, gotten selected to work with a small CPA firm in DC. And once I was there, I was, I was basically you know, thrown into a practice of doing everything from bookkeeping to tax. And during my time there, part of you know, every accountant's dream, if you will, is to work for the big four. And the big four is literally the four largest accounting firms in the world. And during one of my networking events, I was actually able to meet with a recruiter from PricewaterhouseCoopers, which was the biggest and best in my opinion, uh, <laughs> firm in the world. Yes. And with my credentials and my background uh, and a little bit of my charm, they brought me on board and I was able to work for the big four in Washington, D.C. So that was more uh, auditing um, government agencies. I was able to work on GSA and actually was part of the audit team for Social Security, which was a huge task. Now, audit work is very different. And to answer your question, doing audit work, uh, financial statements and that sort of thing, you know, my passion is helping people reach their dreams and plan for their future. And taxes and being able to help small business is a big part of that. So after my experience with the firm and seeing, frankly, how small businesses and wealthy people manage their affairs, I said, I need to do this for small business and people that have no wealth that want to build wealth. And I can help them do that. I know what we need. I know what we need to do. I know how to keep more money in their pockets. I know how to plan for them. 
What a beautiful, to... what a beautiful mission. You found out the secrets that the big boys use and you want the little people to also learn these tricks on how That's they exactly could save right. money. That's and amazing. It's being, it's being smart. And you know, one thing I promised my mom and dad is that I, was, I would help as many people as I could throughout my life. And that's my life's mission. I've, I've had so many opportunities, you know, perfect strangers and open doors for me. And I have this obligation to help people. And that's what my career is dedicated to, what my life is dedicated to. And I just happen to have this wonderful skill and actually enjoy my work. It's funny, new clients that, that I, I sit down and meet with them They've never had someone explain their forms to them. They've never had someone be available to ask these questions. And that means a lot to me to be in that position of trust to guide them. You know, frankly, clients are giving me their checkbook and they're saying, tell me what you see, help me. What can I do differently? What can I it do? It takes better? a lot of trust because you're handing over social security numbers, bank statements, bank... So it's a lot for somebody to open themselves up to and then telling them how much you owe. That's something that's very personal. And for you to be in that position for that person takes a lot of trust. I, I take that very seriously. Um, privacy and confidentiality is a big deal. Yes. I've had, I've had to tell people that they owe lots of money. That's difficult to do. So you know what? I do everything in my power to plan so that that doesn't happen again, you know? And on the flip side, I've had, I give good news sometimes. <laughs> um, okay, here's here's where you're at and here's here's how you ended up here. Here's what we can do differently. Here's what we can do better, you know? So it's uh, it's a lot of responsibility. It is a very stressful job, but I embrace it. And, you know, it challenges me to stay on top of my game because I have a lot of people that depend on me. And one of the things that I take pride in is that my clients have direct access to me. So Saturday nights, Sundays, I'm always getting text messages, phone calls. Oh my calls. What do you think about this? You know, asking me my opinion. Uh, and that's important. So my, my clients have that confidence and that, that relief that they have someone on their side because there's all kinds of information out there. You know, yeah. a lot of clients read stuff on the internet or from their brother-in-law or whoever. <laughs> and at the end of the day, you know, they're responsible for their taxes. Exactly. So to be in that position of trust is very important. So you deal with a stressful career because you have to deal with all these people that have very particular uh, different problems that you have to do your research. We just finished a hell of a year. 2020. Many people lost their jobs and businesses and had to apply for government aid. Uh, what should individuals and businesses who receive this aid be prepared for? You know, the government was able to, the federal government and the through the state government through unemployment, was able to uh, distribute aid to the taxpayer, I believe, very quickly. You know, most of my clients are small business and frankly, being, having been forced to close for weeks, you know, even one month is very critical for a business. Small businesses in particular that are on a small margin, they can't afford to be closed one week or two weeks. They have bills to pay. That is their job. 
there is no there is no trust fund there's no loan there's there's no savings it's literally scraping by and paying their bills and paying their people and that was one thing that well, that touched my heart so many business owners were more worried and dedicated to their paying their employees than paying themselves wow. so these this funding that came through the federal government i would say you know whoever your your tax professional is or your accounting professional you know there is rules that we have to follow some of that aid is taxable and some is not so for example the ppp loans which is a payroll protection that was literally a grant from the federal government to keep your doors open and make payroll for 10 weeks. What a huge blessing. I had several clients, uh, a few in tears that were awarded this money and were able to keep their doors open. So the PPP funding, if you have your documentation in order and if you have submitted your, your forgiveness application in time should be forgivable, okay? The, uh, there is something called the idle loans. There's different funding that's floating out there. Uh, PPP, if you, have, if you did your part, it's forgivable. It's forgivable, yeah. The idle loan is just that. It's an economic, economic disaster recovery loan. That is a, a long-term, 30-year term loan that um, is a low interest rate that you will pay back over time. Now, right away, for the clients that I had that received the idle loan, they started receiving statements right away from SBA. So that would be a, a, a monthly bill that you pay SBA and they, will, they send you a, a payment um, invoice in the mail where you pay, you know, you can pay either online or send in your check. Uh, and that's a 30 year term, but some of the loans that came through were significant enough to fund businesses throughout the end of the year. So it was a huge blessing to be able to, you know, make rent, keep the doors open. Granted, it was money that that is loan, that it that's a, a loan, but to keep your business afloat and basically buy time so that things can stabilize was a lifeline for lots of businesses. So that's on the business side of things. On the individual side of the house, some, you know, unfortunately, there was a lot of downsizing there was a lot of layoffs. And that's where the federal government funded Texas Workforce Commission to distribute unemployment benefits. So that was that $600 a week um, for a while. Now, what's going to happen for those that have not ever uh, filed with unemployment, you will receive a, a what they call a 1099G, which is a tax form that shows your, your amount that you received minus any federal income tax. So that money is taxable. That is taxable earnings. Uh, it's taxable even though it is unemployment income. And the tax form, I would say, and I tell all my clients, any form that you get in the mail, I take it with a grain of salt. I want to verify that that's actually what happened. Yeah. So I would check your statements and make sure that that was the money that you reached, the amount of money that you received and that it's accurate. Because sometimes computers and systems do make mistakes. So we wanna make sure that if you did get unemployment, that they're reporting it correctly to you. So is your business ready for this complicated tax season? 
And I say complicated because there's just so many, so many things that went wrong in 2020. You know, Jesse, I've been so blessed. And, uh, you know, to my, my comment earlier, my new clients, I've had so many people tell me, you actually enjoy this stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I have to laugh because I actually do. I, you know, numbers are a language to me. It's a story. Yeah. And to answer your question, I have in I have enjoyed staying up to date on all the different things that are happening. Frankly, you know, my my clients need it. Yes. And I've been able to uh, build a strong relationship with local credit unions that are able to to process applications uh, quickly uh, for clients and to build that that relationship that that old fashioned uh, bank credit union relationship where you actually call and talk to someone on the phone, if you could imagine that. Wow. I had some clients with the big banks that couldn't get through to anyone. And during all of this chaos, when their customers needed them the most, they actually turned over the PPP process to a third party. Oh my God. Um, and it was so difficult and so sad uh, to see that reaction because big banks, their focus is on big business, yeah, not small business. And I say that with truth and confidence because I witnessed it and it needs to change. Um, but I read hours every day on the different rules and things that we have to follow. Um, there's plenty of training out there that I have taken to make sure that I'm advising my clients correctly uh, and making sure that I'm guiding them uh, in an accurate professional way. So there is a lot of information. There's a lot of moving parts. For a minute there, the websites and rules were changing pretty frequently, but the year came and went. The rules that are in place for 2020 are concrete now, and yes. we know what we need to do to file accurately. So, yep, we're ready. Good. Filing taxes are never fun, even when you're getting a refund, you know, because it's a lot of stuff that you have to, you're not a tax professional, you're getting your form. I remember the day when you have to go to the post office to get those forms, or you have to go to the <laughs> local IRS office to get the forms, or go to a government, federal government building to pick up those forms. Now everything's online, and then they, there's an automated system that we could get to use, we have to pay for but it kind of makes it easy because it's very user-friendly, but it's still, there's a lot of stress to it. What are some of the common mistakes that people make, individuals and small businesses that they make that make the process even harder? <laughs> common sure. mistakes. You know, um, making sure when you're filing that your social security number and your name match your social security card is critical, especially in the Hispanic community when you have multiple last names or a middle name or a, you know, a junior or the third or all of that. So you know, make sure that whatever is on your social security card is what is on your form, because if not, it will get rejected. So make sure that that- Delay, you know, that, delay that form. So make sure that your social is matching your form. Uh, not claiming, you know, the IRS is, and it's, it's a little cheeky in my opinion, but you know, if a client has a bank account and they earn more than $10 of interest, you will get a tax form. So if it's $10 or $12 that you have money sitting there and then you earn interest, if you don't report that, 
on your taxes as interest income, the IRS will send you a tax notice that you owe, you know, one or $2. So, <laughs> so you get this letter in the mail, which is stressful. And you're like, oh, I got this IRS letter. What happened? You know, well, you didn't claim your interest income. Or, you know, people that are, you know, jump into the stock market and maybe bought or sold a stock or bought and sold crypto. Yes. And they forgot about it. Guess what? The IRS gets something called a 1099B. And unfortunately, if you do not report the, that transaction on your taxes, the IRS will calculate your stock sale with what we call a zero basis. So even if you took a loss on the sale, if you don't report to the IRS what that stock cost you, they're gonna automatically assume it's zero and tax you on the whole thing. Wow. So I had a client that you know sold some stocks and they actually had a few thousand dollars of loss, but they didn't, you know, give me the form. They oh said, Oh, I forgot about that. Like, what do you mean? So they get a tax notice saying that they owe ten thousand dollars. So I get a frantic phone call. And it's like, well, no, we just need to show them the base. You actually lost money. So oh. you're getting a bigger refund. But oh. the, the IRS is saying, okay, well, you sold it. Here's your $10,000. So I'm going to tax you on that money. So that's something that happens. It, that's one of those taxable things that doesn't happen often. So you just really have to have your reminders and things of what financially what you're doing. The IRS wants their fair piece of the pie. Yeah. So stocks and things like that are easily missed. Worst case scenario, if you owe the IRS money, how can they come after you? You know, unfortunately, the IRS is, is like a relative that you don't want to ignore because they're going to come after you. <laughs> <laughs> we all have those uncles and aunts out there. Okay. Um, there's lots of different scenarios. Every, everybody's scenario is different. Uh, in a worst case scenario, the IRS can assess a lien on your home. Uh -huh. So meaning if you ever sell, they're not going to kick you out. I mean, there have been situations throughout time where, you know, people on the wrong side of the law were uh, tracked very aggressively. But for the common taxpayer, if you will, if you owe money, the IRS is going to want to get paid. And with all the tax forms flowing around, they will eventually find you. So yeah. in a worst case scenario, they will put a lien on your home, meaning whenever you sell, they will get their money at that time, plus interest and penalties. I've seen situations where they will contact your employer directly without letting the taxpayer know and say, uh, do not directly pay this employee, send their payroll directly to the IRS. Wow. So it's a very serious matter. This is not something that you want to ignore. Um, worst case scenario, I would say, I mean, you could get arrested if you're being fraudulent. Okay. If you are making money and not reporting it, that's fraud. Yeah. So, you know, we really have to hold ourselves. Uh, to a high standard 
And I tell my clients, you know, my small business clients, we owe, we have an obligation to be honest and report all of our income because I'll tell you what, it's very easy to spend money on a business, <laughs> whether that's advertising or buying equipment or hiring experts to help you. It's very easy to spend money. So as long as we have your bookkeeping in order, we can have information to make decisions. There's no reason to be hiding money or being unethical. Do it the right way and let's plan. So let's, let's, let's get some positive uh, thinking going on here. What are some of the free advice that you can give our listeners today so they could make sure they're on the right path? Sure. The, the first thing I would say is that make sure that uh, the IRS is getting uh, up on technology. Up until a few years ago, they used something called a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> so the IRS actually has something called an individual portal where you can log on and see all of your tax records. You can pull, uh, pull your, tra your transcripts by yourself. So go on to the IRS website, look up the individual account and set up your portal and be brave and look at your information and make sure it's accurate because guess that's what? Really, that's really neat. The social security has the same thing where you can go mm -hmm. and look at all the, you know, the, the earnings you've had all your life on there. Now the IRS has something similar? Correct. And it has all of your tax forms issued in your social uh, and your name. So what's important and why that's critical is with all identity theft and all this stuff going on, mm -hmm. you want to really take ownership of the information the IRS has. I've had a few cases where there's been identity theft and clients are getting tax forms issued to them uh, incorrectly. Uh, and we're talking thousands of dollars. So yeah. we have to notify the IRS, hey, wait a minute, this is not, I never received this. This is not correct. Um, because the IRS assumes that if they get a form with your name and social, that you got that money. Yes. So there's lots of things that, that could happen. So I would say do that. Um, the, the easiest way to save taxes, you know, clients ask me all the time, how do I save money? What do I do? The easiest thing that you can do is whatever your budget will allow. If you have a 401k at work, put as much money as you can into that 401k. Why? Because not only are you going, is it tax deferred, meaning you're going to pay tax later when you withdraw it, but it's going to be growing tax-free for you all these years until you retire. And typically, I think this year, my table here, it's up to about uh, $16,000 or so. So you can contribute a significant amount tax-deferred, meaning you're not going to pay tax. They're going to put it in a savings account, investment account for you until you're ready to retire. If you can do that, uh, you're looking at after two years of maximizing that, you'll be sitting on $35,000. You know, imagine after five years, you're looking at, you know, close to $75,000. So that's your money that's growing, you know, tax-free waiting for you. So that's an uh, easy thing. And my last piece of advice would be for my small businesses that are out there. Um, most small business owners are smart and they, they read a lot and they're motivated. Uh, there's this talk about setting up LLCs. Oh, I have an LLC. And I'm saying, you know, 
I'm not an attorney. I cannot give you uh, legal advice. I'm not an attorney yet, but God willing one day. Uh, I want you to research something called the S-Corp election, where you are taxed as an S-Corp, even though you have an LLC entity set up. The, in, over the life of that entity, it'll save you hundreds and thousands of dollars in self-employment tax, if done correctly. So please research that, my small business owners that have an LLC. Um, and just really quickly, if your employer does not offer a 401k, you can set one up on your own at your local bank or credit union at a very minimal to no cost. So there is no boundary or excuse for you not to have a retirement account for your future. Take ownership of that and it's possible at your local bank or credit union. Plan now for the future. Uh, for people who had to file taxes, what happens if they need to file an extension that they're not gonna get all their stuff together? You know, the, the best thing to do is file an extension before April 15th. We can file an extension today if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Don't wait for the last minute. Why? Because technology happens, errors happen. And if you need a day or two to push that extension through, there are penalties and interest for not filing an extension if you owe taxes. So. If you're getting a refund, you're pretty safe. But you don't know that because you don't have all your forms and you don't have your documents in order. I don't know that. You don't know that. So you definitely want to file an extension. You want to file that at least a week before. That's going to give you peace of mind, not be stressed, and make sure that it goes through. Uh, if for some reason you file an extension and it gets rejected by the IRS for whatever reason, you'll be on the hook for a non-filing fee and a penalty fee, and that's unnecessary. You work too hard for your money for that to happen. You're so give yourself some away. time. Give yourself some time. Now, at what point do you recommend an individual get because I do my own taxes. I mean, because I just follow, I have a very simple, I just draw down one check and I don't have any extra income coming in. But at what point does a, 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 a an individual start having to consider going to a tax professional? When does it get too complicated to start doing your taxes by yourself? I think that it's, everybody is different. Yes. And you know, I have some clients that, you know, send me small business clients, they send me their, their, their bank statements and they're like, here, you fix it, organize it. You tell me what I need to do. So most, some people don't want to deal with it at all. Yeah. You know, I have one client that sends her, her W2 to my address. She doesn't even get her W2. Oh my God. <laughs> so it's, you know, everybody's different, but one thing's for sure is that you have to be 100% comfortable that it's done. So whatever system works for you, it's not so much that it's, it's complex or not, but that it's done. Not only that, it's important to build a relationship with a tax professional um, because there are several things that, that can happen that we can plan for that you don't know about. So one of the things that I'm helping my clients with over the past few years, which I'm really excited about because I believe in it, is uh, solar credits and solar panels. So over the last few years, the IRS is promoting 
um, a credit for putting solar panels on your house. Wow. So even this year, I've had several clients, uh, based on my advice, to get solar and actually got a 26% tax credit, which is usually several thousand dollars um, to offset the cost of having solar panels put on their home. Now, those are the sorts of things that you know I, I will share with my clients to make sure they understand that what's, what's involved and how to qualify. And we build that relationship to where, you know, whether it's family planning or qualifying for credits or planning for the future, what are things that I can do to help them? So it's not only the, the tax piece, but the big picture of what is it, what are we doing in the future to uh, minimize tax liability and also plan to keep more of that money in your pocket in the long run. What should people be doing now to prepare for 2022 for their so, You know, I, I would say for planning for next year, um, make sure that you have a family budget or a home budget. Um, if we, you know, I, I think that sometimes things are perceived a little bit more complex than they really need to be. So I think having having income goals are important. Having uh, multiple revenue streams is important. I think having a budget for what you need to survive is important. And that became evident, you know, even in San Antonio this week with having enough food and water for a few days, you know, plan, plan for the basic necessities plan for your financial goals, whether that's home ownership, whether that's uh, marriage or a car or a, a baby or taking care of mom and dad or whatever that is to you, whatever that priority is, what are you doing to protect it and plan for it? And that's what I would do for 2022. Another uh, bit of advice, what shows or books should people be listening to or podcasts? Who, what are some of the tax professionals that people should be listening to? So, you know, on a, there's a lot of information out there. So I, I personally uh, don't promote anyone in particular, but I would say educate yourself with publications that are, uh, that are widely known and respected. So for example, the uh, Wall Street Journal is a publication that's been around for a long time. You know, read the headlines, see what's going on around you. Uh, there's local chamber of commerce and, and local, for example, here in San Antonio, we have the San Antonio Business Journal, which has, you know, the, the things happening in business and community uh, industries that are growing. Uh, one of the things that I, I find really interesting uh, clients don't really go to the IRS website very much. And that's like the main source. Yeah, I mean, that's where you really need to go. So, you want to get like a heads up of what's coming down exactly. the road. Exactly. So don't be afraid to go to irs.gov and check it out. Um, at, sometimes it's a, a difficult read, but they're making a conscious effort to make it more user-friendly. Just to really quickly, I did want to give a shout out to Suze Orman. If you would ask me, who would I follow? I do follow Suze Orman. And some of her her publications that are out there 
she gives good advice and she's been out for a long time. No pun intended. So <laughs> yeah, she always is a very lively character. Uh, she, it's almost like she's always caffeinated. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she's interesting to listen to because she just talks a mile a minute. Now you, you gave, a, you give, you make me feel comfortable. If I lived in San Antonio, I'd go, I'd be one of your clients because you are just so personable and you tell it as it is, you know, you're going to give that, that hard information, that tough information to your client, but at least they know it's coming from a really good place and a good, honest place and an honest assessment. Where can people learn more about you and your, and your business? So uh, I'm very easy to find. There's not many Jessica Lee Bettis out in the universe. So you can find me online uh, at jessicaleebettis.com. I'm on Facebook and on uh, Instagram. Um, and I can send you my information so that you can find me on, uh, on Facebook. Also, a lot of my clients follow me on Facebook. Uh, I think that's important that they know about me, kind of what I'm up to, my beliefs, uh, yeah. and how I do business. And that's important to me, uh, to have that mutual respect. They put me in a position of trust and I'm more than happy to open up, you know, my life and, and my beliefs and, and be accessible to them. Well, thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on the show. It really means a lot to me that there's someone from my part of the world, South Texas, and lifting people out of poverty. You're doing such a, a, a great job trying to give access um, to a certain part of our, what's a very important part of our world that not many of us ever had to do, never had the education or uh, what, what word I want to say, the, the courage, because finances for a lot of our family members, there was just stuff that was just so hard for us to comprehend. And we didn't have access to all these services um, with people that we could trust in our community, you know? And it just means a lot that you're, you're making it easier for our community to be engaged in a thoughtful manner and being that representative for our community. Thank you so much. It's an honor and, and privilege, really. The, the honor and respect goes to my mom and dad who raised me to respect the people around me and to help as many people as we can. I come from very modest people, again, as a first-generation college student. One thing that my dad told me when I was a little girl, he said, Mijita, if you want to eat, you have to work. And I said, yes, dad, I like to eat. So one thing for sure, <laughs> I, I work hard and provide a good service. And it's an honor to be able to, even after being in industry for 20 years, to see the advice that I've given help people reach their dreams uh, and reach them uh, quickly and efficiently and in an intelligent way. And I take a lot of pride in that. Well, I want to wish you a very happy and healthy tax season. Good luck with it. And a fiesta too. It's probably going to be- Thank you so much. <laughs> It's probably going to be a virtual one this year again. But, it, might be, it might be in June, maybe. In June? Well, they're going to push it. Good, because I love Fiesta. Oh, God, I miss San Antonio Fiesta so much. Uh, but I thank you so much for coming on the show, and good luck. Thank you so much, Jesse.